What is up, everyone, and welcome to another off-season edition of Subjectively Speaking. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura, and this episode, we're talking coaching changes and departures. Absolutely, and all we have to say is put us in, coach, because we deserve it. We think we'd do great. Um, No, sincerely, we're going to take some time today to do a little bit of what we haven't done so far, and that's probably, you know, beat a dead horse and talk a little bit about John Tortorella's departure. It's something that we haven't done on the podcast, and so we want to give a little bit of space for, for that conversation, but on top of that, we want to talk a little bit about what could be next for the Columbus Blue Jackets, talk about some of the rumors that are around, some of the perceived possibilities for the Blue Jackets bot. Oh my God. Bench boss. Say that five times fast. Bench boss, bench boss, bench boss. It's hard. It's kind of hard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Bench boss position. So Laura, you are the emoter. You are the feelings person. You have never experienced a time in Blue Jackets, in your Blue Jackets fandom without John Tortorella, Bradshaw, Brad Larson being the, the three guys that people refer to as the coaches of the Columbus Blue Jackets. How are you feeling about this possible change? What are your feelings on the departure of John Tortorella? And is it okay if one day we post a picture of you having spilled paint on your thank you towards message <laughs> on the Paint the Ice event at Nationwide Arena? First of all, you're a dick. <laughs> I was hoping that we could keep that situation between you, me, my mom, who insisted on getting a picture, and whomever happened to walk past it on the ice that day. Um, no, but in in all seriousness, yes, you are correct. I have only ever experienced the Blue Jackets in the John Tortorella double Brad um, era of things. And I, it's probably a good that we're recording this like out of the immediacy of um, the decision for torts to, to part ways with the Blue Jackets because I'm not going to cry. Um, I am very like grateful that he's the coach that I learned to love the Blue Jackets with. Um, I have always been a fan of his since I started watching hockey and um, being a fan of the Blue Jackets. Um, there was just something about uh, torts that I really found appealing. It could be we're both Italian. He's very expressive and also very emotional. Um, so like I, I could relate to him on those levels of being passionate and being, um, you know, just very driven. Uh, I think it's incredible what he has been able to do for this franchise for you know, the team for the players that he's coached, whether they're still here or have moved on. Um, For a team that's only 20 years old to have that much of an impact in six years is incredible. I mean, John Tortorella is going to go down in history as, you know, one of the best coaches that this franchise will ever see. the thing I think that makes me the most upset about it is how terrible this season was that this had to be the ending of his time with us um, to have to go out on such a shitty season full of drama, full of all sorts of things. It just doesn't seem fair or right. Um, But once the dust settles, um, I don't think anyone who's ever been a fan of the Blue Jackets um, can say that John Tortorella didn't have an immense impact um, on this team, on this franchise, on this city. Um, and I'm I'm sad. I'm sad, but it's great that he left on his own terms. It was a mutual decision between the team and him that, you know, it was time for a change. There were no hard feelings. Um, And I think that that 
is great. I would so much rather prefer that versus a like dramatic firing or a, you know, situation where he was like, fuck off. I hate Columbus, like all that sort of stuff. Like I greatly appreciate a, a mutual separation and, you know, him saying that, you know, he and his family will always love Columbus. Columbus will always play a major part in his career. Um, and I wish him nothing but the best. He's not retiring. Hopefully um, another team will be snatching him up and he can continue um, doing what he does best, which is pushing players to be their best and, you know, making teams better. He's gotten a Stanley Cup. He couldn't get on in Columbus, but just wasn't meant to be. And I, I think it's really important to dispel like this myth. Like I, I listen to, and I've been trying to listen to a little bit more of like the national podcast scene and international, I guess too, because of Canada, shout out to our neighbors up North, but I've been trying to be a little bit more well-versed and, and other people's thoughts on this. Like, it's great for, for me to have my feelings and like, look at our Twitter followers and like read about their feelings and thoughts and it's great to listen to Front Nationwide with Allison Lucan and Aaron Portsline to hear their insider perspective. But I have to say, there's this narrative. I was listening to Puck Soup, which is a podcast. I know Greg Wyshynski is one of the hosts, and I forget. I know Sean McAdoo is, is one, one of the other hosts, and I forget the other guy's name, but they describe the the tenure of Tortorella in Columbus as average and they equate it to the one win against the Tampa Bay Lightning in a quote unquote fluke season. And and I think I think from an outsider's perspective, I can see that, right? Like if I looked at a coach whose record was um you know points percentage, you know, over 500, um, but not you know, dramatically over 500, not a ton of playoff success aside from the sweep. Um, I, I could, I could understand that perspective, but what I think those folks don't understand is what hockey was in Columbus before John Tortorella. And for me, as somebody who's been a fan of the Blue Jackets my whole life and, and I've seen this team in a really bad way, I think for the first time in 20 years, well, I guess at the time, 15 or so, people were talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like people were mentioning the team, uh, you know, a lot of times maybe that was because of John Tortorella and maybe something that he did or said, or, you know, you name it, but nobody talked about Columbus and, and we were not on anybody's radar. A, a firing of a coach didn't make it onto a podcast like Puxy, but let me change my wording there and not say like firing. Like, I just mean like in, in seasons past, John Tortorella wasn't fired. Um, so I think through that and it's like such a bigger impact than is being given credit. And I think that maybe it takes a couple of years for like the, the sting of like being a part of like a, a really results driven business and results driven position, uh, to wear off for people to really understand his impact here in Columbus. And I mean, winning a Jack Adams here, I mean, that's no small feat, you know, really any player winning anything that's voted on any player, any coach, any general manager should Yarmo ever win something or any other future general manager. Um, those are things that are written by like, or voted on by like the press and by those folks. And it's hard for a local, like a smaller market, you know, team to, to have somebody like a John Tortorella who wins a Jack Adams and you name it. And so I, I think that we, that national media, brushes over how important he was to the Columbus Blue Jackets and how important he was to the city and how important he'll continue to be to this city. I, I know, um, you know, he does hockey and hounds with Anthony Rothman of 97.1, the fan here in Columbus and, um, or he did, I should say, but you know, Anthony Rothman has nothing but great things to say about him and says, we're going to, we're going to keep doing this somehow, some way, like we're going to find a way to keep making this happen, whether that's frequently and frequently, you name it. Uh, but he's not going to be unemployed for long. There's no way he will be. And I think too, like it might not be right away. Like, I don't know if he'll get a job this off season, but man, I think any team 
in desperate need of a coaching of a culture change. Cause that's the other thing too, that he brought here, right? Like a culture change and anybody in desperate need of that <laughs> Buffalo um, might be wise to, to lean into the idea of hiring John Tortorella as the next coach. Yeah, I think, you know, at least in the last three and a half, almost four years, I think, unfortunately, what the broader spanned media and hockey world in general likes to focus on is the thought that, you know, torts is difficult and torts is difficult to play for and players don't want to play for him and, you know, all this sort of stuff and that he's the reason why certain players have left our organization and you know we've talked about it a lot over this season as you know rumors swirled about whether or not he was going to stay whether or not we were going <laughs> to oust him in the middle of this shit-tastic season um but honestly I think if you really look at it and if you don't just isolate the few instances you're gonna find more positive things about John Tortorella's time in Columbus. And I'm just talking about his time in Columbus. I'm not talking about the other teams that he's played for, the other incidents that are often referenced when you talk about John Tortorella, um, specifically his time like in New York and like all that sort of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm specifically talking about his six years spent in Columbus. And, you know, even in the reactions of, the current players on the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, basically the day after the season end or two days after the season ended, we found out that Torts wasn't coming back. Um, for me, that was like a little faster than I thought, but I think that this was now that we know some more things, now that we also know that apparently he wanted to leave last summer after the bubble, um, you know, the sort of butterfly effect that this all could have had, um, you know, cause it did, it came out that he had actually talked about wanting to leave last summer and our now former captain, <laughs> Nick Foligno was very influential in convincing him, you know, to stay and to finish out what they had done together. Cause I think Nick, Nick probably saw in the water too that he may not finish out the season or, you know, that this would potentially be his last season as a blue jacket um, and wanting to, to finish that chapter together as a captain and a coach. Um, now, does that, does Torts deciding to stay, does that, do we still have the same season that we had? Who knows? Like it's, <laughs> no one's ever going to know, like no one's ever going to know if he had decided to leave and we got a coach, you know, a brand new coach in the fall or whatever, while this, while the season was still postponed. Um, if anything that happened this season would have happened again. Um, some of these things I think would have happened regardless of who was behind the bench. Um, you know, cause it just, it wasn't our year. Um, and I don't think that the, the coaching situation would have been the hugest factor in that. Um, but yeah, back to my point, my point is that I think if you really look at everything that has happened and been said about Torts and his tenure in Columbus, like you're going to see all of the good. You're going to see a man who cared about this team, who cared about this city, who cared about his players and their development. Um, you know, who often got, you know, singled out over, you know, other coaches who've done crazier things um, for defending their team or whatnot. And because he had a reputation with other teams, he was made an example of. So it's just unfortunate that people like to focus. And, and like you said, those are the people that don't really know Columbus hockey. They don't know what it was like for this team before John came. They don't know, you know, the little things that he did and how, mo and how momentous the things that he did do actually were to get our, I mean, for a 20 year old team to get their first playoff round win, like 
that's a big deal. That is a huge deal. And yes, a lot of people say it was a fluke. We beat Tampa. No, like it, it happened. Like it's legit. We didn't just like, it didn't just happen. Like there was no magic fairy dust. It was legit. We earned it. It's fine. Um, you know, and all the other milestones that he was able to cross off the list for, for this franchise. So that's what, you know, I wish more people would focus on is that, you know, he really, this, we're a young team. He made a huge difference. Like he was the coach for the Blue Jackets for a quarter of the time that they've existed. And he accomplished a lot in that time frame. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully whoever follows him can have the same success as this team grows and continues to get older, but we're still babies essentially in comparison to other teams. Sure. I want to go back to like one of the things you mentioned earlier, talking about like how he wanted to, you know, chuck the deuce up after, after the bubble hindsight being 2020 do you wish that he would have my answer is yes i'll i'll own that my answer is yes because if he does then you you don't have to worry about this idea of his legacy being being something that you know is tarnished because of this year and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff Cause I think to some extent, what you say is true. Like it wouldn't have mattered who the head coach was like some of the things that happened this season were going to happen regardless. Um, because to be completely frank, like a lot of the stuff started happening before the season started, like with the Pierre-Luc Dubois drama and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, even if he wasn't there, like, I wonder if it would happen because we still to this day don't know why homie wanted out. Uh, but still, I, I think that the reaction would be, holy shit what the hell do you mean he's leaving like what 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 went wrong where did this go because yeah in terms of you know after the play-in round after having beat Toronto you know losing that series 4-1 which let's be clear like that series could have been a lot closer like the Blue Jackets didn't have you know their skulls bashed in by the by the lightning in that series by any means and 4-1 probably makes that series look a lot more troubling than it was but you know that would have been the narrative it would have been like oh my god and and maybe there would have been a little bit of you know now that I'm thinking about it I'm processing it like if he quits and then goes coach you know whoever right like is the narrative like the same as like everybody else where it's like yeah fuck that guy he leaves too like you know what I mean maybe it is I don't know but I just know that it would do away with this you know, cancer to the team bullshit that like kind of exists now because I don't think that's fair. And I don't think that speaks to his, to his tenure here. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you wish that he would have just said bye after, after the bubble? Well, I think now that you, I mean, now that you say, you know, obviously as far as like legacy looks, it would have looked better for him to leave after a, relatively i mean he would have left as a jack adams nominee because he was nominee. he was the third place for him to not win that last year is is absolutely wild to me like the fact that bruce cassidy i think i'm not talking out of my ass bruce cassidy won that award with the roster like the boston bruins that award has turned into what almost seems like and there's like an argument amongst people where it's like, do you give it to the coach who does the most with the least? Or do you give it to the coach who just coaches well and his team does well? Like it's hard to distinguish, but like with everything that the, that the Blue Jackets went through in that off season to then come turn around and, and, you know, not absolutely, you know, demolish and, and not be great, but to be competitive like that to me was enough to solidify he's who I would have voted for, but they they don't give me a vote, Laura, which is fucked up. But um, but yeah, to your point, yes, he leaves as a Jack Adams nominee, yeah. and, and continue your point. Sorry. Yeah, he sorry, it's okay. He leaves as a Jack Adams nominee, um, finishing in the top three. Uh, he leaves with uh, the fourth consecutive 
um, playoff appearance for the Blue Jackets um, after an insane regular season because leading up to COVID, I mean, we were the broken blue monsters with half of our team being made up of members of, you know, our AHL affiliate, the, the Cleveland monsters and just weird situation after weird situation, but we still kept going. I mean, we still played hard and we've talked before about whether or not if the season had continued as planned if we still would have made it into the playoffs or not you know that again is that butterfly effect situation where it's like who knows but the point is is that we did we went into the bubble we did really well against Toronto obviously made it into the first round Tampa there was (laughs) nothing was going to get us out of that first round with Tampa like either with all of our limbs or anything. I mean, just look at the first game. It was a million hours long. It like literally it's it. Well, first of all, it amazes me that it's not the longest NHL game in history. Oh yeah. It's like the fourth longest one. Um, But even now in the, in the first round of the playoffs this year, every time someone's like, Oh my God, they went into three overtimes. And I use your catchphrase, and it's like, talk to us when you've gone to five. I can't believe that Darnell Nurse almost got caught up with Seth Jones's time on ice record in in that game with the Jets and the Oilers. He had mm-hmm. sixty two minutes of ice time in only three overtimes. Like, if that game would have gone any longer, he would have shattered Seth Jones. Like, if that game would have gone five overtimes, he would have had eighty minutes, eighty mm-hmm. eighty five. Like, what? And I don't know how in the hell they were shifting him, but they had to have been double shifting him with how many minutes he had. That was wild to me. I saw that and I was like, oh, yikes. <laughs> like the record that I said a year ago that would never be beat <laughs> almost. Came that close and the playoffs aren't even over yet. So, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously looking at it on paper, it would have been a much, and this is, you know, pre any, basically any player related <laughs> drama, like, you know, at that point, there was still potential that Josh would stay. There was, you know, no one had any idea that Pierre-Luc Dubois was unhappy. Like, yes, looking at it now and knowing what we know now, yeah, it would have been much better. It would have been shocking. I think everyone would have been shocked, like you said, if he had departed, you know, A, before his contract was up, because technically he still, he would have still had a year left, um, you know, and after all of <laughs> overcoming all of that and overcoming, like, I think everyone would have been shocked, but as far as legacy is considered, and as far as like having the hindsight of seeing what happened over the course of this last season, yeah, it would have been much better. Um, but it doesn't necessarily, like I said, it doesn't necessarily change what happens or how the Blue Jacket season panned out um, because who knows, like who knows who would have been available for us to take on because at that point they didn't even know when the next season was going to start. Um, you know, it just was all up in the air at this point or at that point and yeah so legacy wise yes I think it would have been better if he would have left but overall I don't know that it would have changed much um with how this with because I think the the blood was in the water that there's some pretty significant issues um structurally um that just became more prevalent in a shortened COVID-fueled disaster of a rearranged season that we just weren't ready we would have never been ready regardless for it yeah and and I kind of want to wrap up the torts conversation by talking through what his hiring was like and just thinking through like because we're going to then transition into talking about this process now which is hiring a coach but 
I know I've told this story like with Steven, like having been on the podcast and I like, I've probably said it too many times to say it again on this podcast, but that season was my first year of college. I move in with this random roommate who I met on Facebook, who ended up being a lifelong best friend and it worked out pretty well, but we had this dry erase refrigerator, which I don't know if it was meant to be dry erase or if we just made it work. And he's a Predators fan, Blue Jackets fan. I am. And so we are like, let's keep track of, of our records, like on this fridge and, and the Blue Jackets start 0 and 7. And I'm just like, fuck this fridge, like fuck writing on this thing. Like I'm over it. And, you know, I just remember thinking about when this happened, like John Tortorella was a name that I knew as being an inflammatory name. Like it was an, it was a big name, right? Like it was a name that not many people like Ken Hitchcock is probably one of the other that's not fair but Ken Hitchcock probably is the other big name coach that the team has had like and so like that was you know six years before then so it's like wow like the Blue Jackets are are hiring somebody with a big name and and that was on October 21st 2015 and I dug up an Aaron Portsline tweet um, just to see what the replies were to it because you know how Blue Jackets fans are like we haven't changed much over the course of the last decade and so six years ago just as dramatic and just as you know crass as 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 we are now and so here are just some of the highlights so Portsline just tweeted like CBJ fired Todd Richards hired John Tortorella per Darren Dreger and somebody said stop it really (laughs) (laughs) um uh never in my wildest dreams would i imagine this happening wow the season just gets more and more interesting mind you like they're oh and seven right like so like let's okay um this one's a good one it's just what the fuck um (laughs) yeah uh somebody said how's dubinsky taking it uh haha lols the franchise is nothing but a joke dubinsky likely quits uh which reminds me of a time like when like dubinsky was like the pen like one of the pinnacle players and like i just like that like that to me is like i love brandon dubinsky but like just thinking back on that it's like wait a minute like i wonder why we were starting seasons 0 and 8 anyway um torts really why do i feel like this will end badly a lot of people wishing Port Zion luck for like press conferences, which he, he needed, like he needed them at times. Uh, not sure he's the right guy. CBJ has more problems than just Richards should have shored up the defense prior to the season. Yarma played his fire car- coach card too early. This team started Owen seven and somebody said that was too soon. That was way too quick trigger, like way too quick on the trigger. I, if John Tortorella would have ever start 0-7, do you know what people would have said? Um, so, and then somebody says, so we get rid of a guy with a 53% win percentage for a 54%. Is this an upgrade? I'm expecting more of the same. And then finally, um, he's a laughing stock of the NHL. CBJ have lost my interest again. Wait, I've said that every year. And then said embrace more suck. I don't really know. So, yes, all of that to say is that I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of this kind of reaction uh, to whoever the Blue Jackets hire as their next bench boss. Look at me go. I did it that time you pretty did well. It. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we can barely let John Tortorella's body go cold before we have to start talking about who the next person is going to have to be, right? Because we're coming up on a time when, you know, seasons are ending for some for some teams, which means that other coaches might become available to interview and other assistant coaches and things like that. And so there's definitely a list of, of potential candidates who have emerged in this search. I guess I want to start before we get to the names of the coaches and we talk about some of their like, you know, perspective stats and things like that. What are you looking for, Laura? And I think we've probably touched on this before, but just Coming back to it, what are you looking for in the next head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets? Well, I think for me, um, and just looking at how things have unfolded over the course of the time that I've been a fan, um, I don't know that we necessarily need 
a full-fledged culture change. I think we need a to reevaluate a perspective, a certain perspective on how we play. Um, I like the nitty gritty. I like being considered a hard team to play against. Um, but we need to restructure. And I also, before I point this out, and I am also a huge fan of like this whole, like we're a team dynamic. Like that's what I am familiar with. It's one of the reasons why I fell in love with the Blue Jackets was you know, this, we do things together. We do things as to get together as a team. And, it, and it's not that I think that we can't have that as a focus, but when we start bringing in people who have a certain level of skill and assets that maybe we haven't seen before, we need to be in a structure as a team that is better able to adjust to those players. I've talked endlessly on this podcast about my frustration with Patrick Laine. And, but the thing is, is that the Blue Jackets were not ready for Patrick Laine. We were not in a situation that was ideal for him to come into where we weren't, you know, obviously it was a mid, not even a mid, it was a beginning of the season situation um, where he just, we were not able to adapt we were not able to adapt and to adjust to someone who has a skill level like Patrick Laine. Now, do I think that we need to become a team that focuses on one or two guys and like, that's the only people we focus on and we don't? Absolutely not. Because I see other teams that are like that. I see other teams who focus on their top two or three players and they don't focus enough on everyone else. And so they have these star players but they can't get anywhere with them. You know, I'm looking at the Sabres with Jack Eichel. Like I'm looking at the Oilers with Connor McDavid. Like it is, yes, they have these incredible assets, but they're not giving them anyone to work with. They're not working on building their lower level, you know, fourth and third line guys to hold up these, you know, powerful players. And I think it also comes down to the situation that we're going to be in soon with Seth Jones is that we have to be a team that can adapt and can build upon on all levels to support these higher level star quality players and to start making Columbus a competitive market to be in because once that happens more players are going to be interested in being a part of our organization it's not hard to fall in love with columbus once you're here but if all you're getting is this noise about how columbus can't deal with star players how they can't deal with high levels of talent like that's the issue it's not the city people want to say it's the city because they don't know but it's this weird structure. And I think, I think as a novice, it's possible to meld the two of this, we're a team dynamic and we can support and utilize star level players. Well, and I, I, I think of Colorado, like I think of Colorado in, in that example, because like, I think Nathan McKinnon is one of the best players in the NHL. If not, I mean, like give some players a run for their money as the best player in the NHL. Like, uh, you know, and that's the first example that really, really comes to mind. And I mean, I think about Tampa Bay, like Tampa Bay has stars, uh, but they also have guys who play really well on their third and fourth. Like you, you bring up really good points there. It's like finding a balance because then to the alternative, and I think you make a good point when you bring up Connor McDavid. Yeah. Connor McDavid's got Leon Dreisaitl, like, and they, fill out a score sheet like nobody's business but they don't have any support right like they don't have like their goaltending sucks their defense is mediocre like they're not a good team aside from that first line and that first line wins them a ton of games like don't get me wrong but like the rest of the team loses them a lot of games too and so it got swept in the first round of the playoffs which Like like who's bingo board like nobody had 
nobody was out here like maybe sure you pick the jets maybe in like six or seven but like nobody thought that they were going to sweep that series and and so if i'm mcdavid this is a tangent like i'd be like get me the fuck out of here like that oh god like i would just be miserable like connor mcdavid may never win a stanley cup and that is disgusting for the game of hockey like that makes no sense and should never be the never be the case but nevertheless i digress like i'll get off of that you know but i think finding the person who can do exactly what you just said right like i think letting the stars play like but also creating an identity i don't disagree with you i i love the idea of being a team that's hard to play against but as it's currently constructed like i I can't really pinpoint very many players on this roster that I would say are, are hard to play against. And so that might not be the coach that they have to look for, right? Like they might have to look for the coach that can utilize skill and, and can win you games, you know, four to three or, you know, six to five every now and again, which is not, I mean, that's fun hockey. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to be stressed as hell, but, <laughs> but that's what I'm here for. To but also, Look at those numbers you just said, though. You said six, five, four, three. We had what a handful of games that had that many goals scored. Like that's the other thing. Is as much as I loved and appreciated John Tortorella, the amount of time that I have been a fan, the Columbus Blue Jackets have not been a high-scoring team, and you need to be a high-scoring team in this organ, like in this league. Like I've been sitting here watching, you know, this first round of playoff games going, Jesus Christ, like we didn't score that many goals in four games, let alone one. And like, you know, whether it was as players started to like dwindle out of the organization towards the end of his tenure, like something just wasn't working and, you know, you know how much I love him, but like Cam Atkinson is a high goal. Like that's his point on a team is to score goals and to have two seasons in a row. Yes. They were interrupted by COVID. Yes. There was all that sort of stuff and him being injured, but to go from a 41 goal season to what the 1920 season was like, I think he had, 18 or 19 goals. Take and your word then, for it. And then this season he had 14. Like, we're something's wrong. Like, you don't have someone like Cam Atkinson, who is a good, a good hockey player. Like, this isn't just me because I love him. Like, Cam Atkinson is a good hockey player. Like, or Oliver Bjorkstrand, like, you know, all of these people who are very skilled. You know, or even people like Max Domi, who has had high scoring seasons prior to coming to Columbus, Patrick Line, like there's a lot that goes into Patrick's situation this past season. He will be the first one to tell you that he did not play well enough for whatever reason. But, you know, we need to become a high scoring team because we can't just rely, we can't continue to be the team that just relies on their goaltending because we all know it. We're not going into this next season with both Corpy and, and Elvis. It's, it's going to be just one of them. And one of them cannot carry this team on their own. No, I agree. And I think, but I think one of the things that John Tortorella said at the beginning of the year, and this is why I was frustrated with his coaching job this year. And maybe it wasn't him. It was the players, but when you come out in training camp and you say like, we're at a point now where we're going to transition our identity as a team to being a team that scores and being a team that can rely on our goaltending because we trust our goaltending. Even if Corbis and, and Merzlikens are not playing 82 games for the Columbus Blue Jackets next year, even if it's Merzlikens playing 55, 60, like that's still 55 to 60 games of quality goaltending plus a possible backup in Daniil Tarasov, who could be the next starter of this team based on what people say in the projections. If you listen to our boy, Mark Shy, like he's going to be the starter in two or three years anyway. So it's not really, a, it's not a decision this off season for a starting goalie. It's for a backup goalie, which I don't think is true necessarily in that regard. But yeah, I think the identity has to change. And one of the ways to change the identity and one of the ways to change the system is to change the coach. 
we're doing that. We are certainly doing that. And I want to talk about some of the names that are currently going around as possible names of folks who could be behind the bench for the Blue Jackets uh, next year. So we'll start with Brad Larson. We know Brad Larson. It's not a name that's that's new to, to anyone. Um, I, I still think it's kind of weird. I, I don't know that I appreciate the whole extending Brad Larson in an interview, but not Brad Shaw. And maybe that's unfair. And maybe I'm being too general. And even if it's just for optics, I wish that they would have given Bradshaw an interview. But Brad Larson gets an interview. Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. I don't see any way that he's the next head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I've been wrong before, so. Well, I don't, like, I was honestly very surprised that Larson, like you said, Larson was offered an interview over Bradshaw just based on how I've seen the two of them go through, like neither one of them, like I would say have been stellar, like, but from what I've seen and what I know, my obvious choice out of the two would have been Brad Shaw to offer an interview. Um, And I'm going to say it right now, I'll be kind of disappointed and upset if the decision is to give Brad Larson a chance at head coach like we're not we're not in a position right now to be like let's give this guy a chance and see like we I just don't feel like that's the right way to go with this like yes he has rapport with the players that are going to remain on the team yes he has knowledge of you know the the franchise and what ownership wants and all this sort of stuff. But the thing is, is that there's been pieces falling off of this rolling situation for a couple of years now. And if, if we want to start seeing some real results, I think we need someone brand new, someone who can come in and look at the situation with fresh eyes with the support of Yarmo and JD and ownership and the player leadership team, like, and just be like, you guys can't see this because you're too far into it. But from an outsider's perspective, like here are some things that we can start to change right now. And over the course of the next couple of years, build this team back up to where it needs to be competitively. Because I don't think like in, you know, as much as everyone's making fun of the term reload that that Yarmo's using, I don't think we need a complete rebuild, but we need someone to come in here and be like, here are the little things that you're fucking up that are holding you back and also keeping you from achieving larger things or making larger changes in a faster way. So I will be, and I think you'll find a lot, I I mean, at least from Twitter, I haven't seen anyone who's like, yeah, let's let Brad Larson be the head coach. So. I know I'm not tweeting that. My opinion, but. Yeah. My top choice out of the people we're going to be talking about. Agreed. And I will say there is some discourse in what your, in your statement, and I don't have any of them listed here because. I want to also just say the people we're going to talk about today are not speculation. These are people whose names have been brought up by beat writers, by, you know, talking heads who have confirmed or at least have a good reason to believe that there is interest from both parties in something or one or the other party, I should say. So we're not going to talk too much about them, but there are some European coaches who people believe are potentially you know, qualified to be the next coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, the finish, not, I'm not, for our friends in Finland, I just am not going to try. Like, I will, if he's named the head coach, I will I will obviously have to try because it's part of the gig. But for now, I'm not. The Finnish team's uh, head coach has been somebody who's come up. You know, the current coach of the German national team has come up. The former coach of the German national team has come up. Uh, there's an assistant coach who plays full or excuse me, there is 
a an assistant coach who coaches for the LA Kings, who is originally German, who is pe- somebody like people think could be a possible NHL head coach. We won't get into that, but it does go to your point, Laura, of like, are we in a place to take chances and to like give opportunity? And maybe we are, maybe we aren't. Uh, you know, the Blue Jackets took a leap of faith on Jarmo Kekalainen, who had never been a general manager in the NHL, and maybe you you disagree today but like a few years ago you'd have been like oh shit that worked out that leap of faith worked out so uh moving on to another name that has not been confirmed that like this person's going to get an interview but we've talked about some interest or people have talked about some interest i should say is david quinn the former coach of the new york rangers recently let go a part of the mass exodus of hockey personnel that included john davidson uh jeff gordon not the driver of the number 24 dupont or pepsi but jeff gordon the the general manager of the new york rangers and then of course david quinn uh being let go so john davidson comes to columbus and you have to wonder right like is there an interest from john davidson like did john davidson believe in david quinn at the time uh you know there's reason to believe that perhaps because david quinn wasn't fired mid people were calling for David Quinn's firing all season. He wasn't fired until the end of the season. So maybe there is some belief in John Davidson that David Quinn could be a successful head coach in the national hockey league, just to kind of reference his career uh, in New York, you know, not really any playoff success. New York did make the playoff, like the, the play in round, I should say for the bubble. Uh, They were swept by Carolina in three games. It was not a series that, anybody figured they were going to fare particularly well in and so not too much success and then this year they you know they, they kind of have a moment where they seem like they might be making a run at fourth in the division but they just fall apart and they and they can't uh but outscored the hell out of their opponents which is crazy like i think it's like one of the biggest margins of goal differential between or for a team that did not make the playoffs and so Part of me wants to say, like, can David Quinn generate offense? But then I remember, okay, David Quinn's coaching Artemi Panera and Mika Zimineja. <laughs> like, I'm like naming off all these offensive, you know, juggernauts. And it's like, well, maybe I'm pushing it a little bit. Maybe I'm giving too much credit. But uh, do you have any thoughts on David Quinn as, as somebody who could potentially be the next head coach of the Blue Jackets? I mean, I definitely think out of like a lot of the rumors that are spinning around, obviously, he has probably the higher amount just because of our decision to rehire JD after the, as you said, mass exodus that the Rangers were like, bye, literally everyone, Um, you know, and it is one of those things where it's like, clearly he has experience working with star level players. There is, you know, no real shortage of that on the Rangers. They just, you know, are still, working on whatever concoction they need to to push themselves over the edge they got closer than we did so um you know it's it's one of those things it it would kind of at least in my like knowledge of our organization and how things have gone I mean we seem to take things from the rangers when they're done with them um and like you know I I don't hate it um, but like I, I said before with like, a a fresh, a fresh blood sort of situation, like, you know, it's great. Obviously we are both very happy to have JD back, but like, again, I don't know that bringing in a, a, a fresh person isn't like a completely fresh person, um, isn't the worst idea in the world, but I don't hate the idea of Quinn coming, coming in. Cause I think he could add some things. Um, I think there was a lot more going on in New York behind the scenes and they, that we, than we know knew of than just like their um, performance. Cause honestly, like you said, they got close to snagging that fourth spot, but kind of, they just fell apart in the end. Um, so I don't think it would be terrible, but again, not my, top choice no i agree and i i have to say this was davidson's quote this is a brian hedger article from the columbus dispatch 
Um, when asked about David Quinn, Davidson made it clear that his former head coach for the past two seasons of the New York Rangers would be considered as the Jackets' next bench boss. He tried to sabotage me. He tried, but it did not work. Uh, we'd be negligent if we didn't include everybody out there who is a possible head coach. Uh, everybody's on the list. David Quinn is a good person. He did a great job in New York, and certainly he'll be on the list with a lot other, a lot of others. So we'll see. Uh, Moving on then to a name that is not generating a lot of, of positive buzz on Twitter, uh, Rick Tockett, uh, formerly of the Arizona Coyotes and even before then of the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, is not somebody who excites me to kind of go over his record in the National Hockey League. Um, he's been a coach for six years. He coached the Lightning from 2008 to 2010, two seasons there, not highly successful, uh, and then had a four-year stint with the Arizona Coyotes and was let go. I believe, actually, he might have been in a similar situation as John Tortorella, where he just like wasn't renewed. He wasn't fired, but he wasn't renewed. And so, um, you know, he has a win percentage of 475 in the NHL. Uh, you know, he led the Arizona Coyotes to one playoff victory. It was actually in the play-ins last year. So I guess, you know, take it, it count that how you will. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just not a name that should excite anybody. Like, and maybe I'm being crass. Like I, I'm, if somebody said Jeremy Paul's going to be the next coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, you would be right to be like, that man doesn't know shit about hockey. And you'd be right. So I maybe shouldn't be talking shit about Rick Tackett, talk it, talk, fuck his name, Rick. I shouldn't be talking about him, but uh, I'm just not excited about this one. And I don't really have much more elegant to say other than, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, when I texted you about him last night, um, I had absolutely like zero idea. Like he's never even been on my radar um, in general. And, you know, again, it's like not that it's it's because obviously with coaches like it's all about chemistry so sometimes the coaches um stats or whatever if he's with a team where the chemistry just doesn't work doesn't mean he's necessarily a bad coach just means that it it didn't work for that team um but I don't really want like I don't know it just doesn't feel like the right energy um, just based off, cause I did some more research today, like on some of, some of the stuff that he did while he was with the coyotes and, you know, it just, it just didn't feel like the right energy. Like I'm sure he's a perfectly fine coach, but I, yeah, I just, it's kind of like a similar mediocrity from the coyotes to what we're dealing with. So it's, I don't want that. Yeah, mediocre is just a good way to describe it. It just doesn't feel like progress. Like, yeah. I don't know if it even feels like regression, but it doesn't feel like progress. Yeah, it feels like status quo. And like, I'm not super into that. Like, this last season has been emotionally draining. And like, 82 games is going to be exciting next season. But like, I don't want the same... <laughs> emotionally training aspects from our coaching staff so I don't really want to keep the same mediocre situation so I mean hey when you're right you're right um so moving on to somebody who has been it's been confirmed that he has not been approached by the Columbus Blue Jackets and we don't have to spend a lot of time on him but it's just somebody who I would have thought that the Blue Jackets would have had some interest in is Bruce Boudreau. Um, he's had a 14 year uh, coaching history in the NHL. He won the Jack Adams in 2007, 2008 as a first year head coach. He has led his teams to eight division championships. Um, you know, he hasn't won a Stanley cup, but has experienced some success in the playoffs. Uh, he has a, uh, he's played, he's coached 90 games in the playoffs I mean he's he's been there like do you know what I mean like he has experience and so definitely a veteran head coach that I thought the Blue Jackets would approach but maybe it's kind of a maybe they feel it's too similar to what they had 
So I don't have really much to add. I I do believe though he is being interviewed at least by the Kraken. So in Seattle, but which would make sense, sure. Um, so then we'll move on away from Bruce Boudreau. And we'll talk about one other name who I have almost nothing to say about other than I can refer to some stats from hockey reference, which I also have to shout out hockeyreference.com uh, because I promise I don't have all of this like saved in my head. Like I'm a walking encyclopedia of blue jackets, coaching records and NHL. We love records. citing sources. We do. You have to, don't be a dick. Don't take other people's work. They worked hard on this. Um, so um, except for the fact that for the first 45 minutes to an hour of this podcast, I was being a dick. Um, so yes, hockeyreference.com. So the next name is current Dallas Stars assistant coach, Todd Nelson. Todd Nelson has some coaching experience in the NHL as an interim head coach. Actually, I believe it was an interim tag because he took over uh, after an early season firing by Edmonton, coached 51 games in Edmonton, had a 422 points percentage. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know why. I Okay, like it feels like brad larson to me it's like okay like if we're gonna go with an assistant coach can we like go with an assistant coach who like excites me yeah same that's really all i have to say about um todd nelson which is just another like it's like just a, such a boring name um Moving on to last but not least um, is somebody who the Blue Jackets have not been confirmed to have reached out to, have not been confirmed to have interviewed or whatnot, but it's somebody who Aaron Portsline reported planned to seek permission to interview, and that's Gerard Gallant. Um, Gerard Gallant is a name that should sound familiar to Blue Jackets fans because he was the third coach of the Blue Jackets. He coached the Blue Jackets from 2004 to 2007, did not have much success with the team, but no one did in the first 10 years of the franchise. So uh, take it for what it is, but Gerard Gallant is a name that's out there. Uh, he's probably far more recognized for his other ventures. Uh, you know, he uh, won a Jack Adams in his first year as the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights in their first year as a franchise. He, I, I mean, took him to the Stanley cup. I, it's just, that will always be amazing to me is, is the fact that that happened. But, uh, you know, he coached the Florida Panthers in 2015, 2016 to a division title. Uh, they ended up losing in the first round of the playoffs, but he's not somebody who has been unsuccessful outside of his stint of time with the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you take that out of the equation, uh, you know, he had a 583 win percentage in Florida and he had a 601 win percentage in, in Vegas. And in his career, he has a 550 win percentage. It's, he's a good coach and he's definitely, definitely a hot commodity on this free market or free agent market for coaches. Uh, the Rangers have, have in fact interviewed him and that's been confirmed uh, there's been talk about Seattle having interest. Really, I think anybody who doesn't have a head coach right now is interested in Gerard Gallant, as they should be. So I would be down for this reunion. This is a reunion that I would be okay with. I would also be down after we talked about it on a non-podcast related conversation. I was looking into him um, and I do think it would be a really interesting reunion. Again, we speak back to the chemistry of a team with a coach and knowing what the early years of the blue jackets was like. Um, I don't know that any coach would have like had a ton of success um, with what the franchise was going through um, at that time. But, you know, he has that connection, but he also has the distance of being gone for, you know, six now, six plus years. Um, and it would be interesting and just I mean just seeing what he was able to do with Vegas in their first year um granted you know we're obviously not going to be an expansion team that is figuring out exactly who they are um but that speaks to it I mean to be in your very first year as a team and make it all the way to the Stanley Cup finals like that's 
absolute insanity. Like it's just absolute insanity to me. Um, but yes, he has been interviewed or at least is scheduling an interview with the Rangers and he's definitely on the, the list for Seattle. Um, and it would be great if we, you know, made an official, official ask to see, but, you know, as Yarmo loves to do and now with JD back, I feel like whatever decision gets made or whatever people they bring in to interview. Um, I think we're all going to be surprised in one way or another um, on who is the new Columbus Blue Jackets bench boss um, as well as. Okay. okay. You can say it. Great. Nice. Cool. Laura. Well, if you note, I said it pretty slowly. I made Yeah. I, but as someone who has a speech impediment, I do that with a lot of things. So you and me both. But you know, because we're also gonna see, you know, who a new coach wants as his assistants too. So like, there's a lot of things. Uh, really, the only major coach that's staying around is Manny, our goalie coach, because um, he's still under contract and. Truly, I mean, I have no issues with Manny. I think he's been doing a great job with Elvis and Corpy and um, all of our, you know, levels of goalies. And he has a very esteemed, like, career. So I'm I'm super cool with keeping Manny around for as long as we can. But yeah, I think you know, and if we if if we decide to be this, you know, one of these teams that takes a not really a gamble because I think you know, with Yarmo's connections to the European league, like he knows so much more about the levels that these coaches have over in Europe. Um, I think it might be kind of cool if we pull someone over and see what they can, can do um, at the NHL level. And, you know, cause to me, that's not the same as like pulling up an assistant coach. Like it's, it's a whole, a whole other, a whole other situation. And I would be, I would be interested in being that sort of like litmus test. If we're going to test out something crazy, like to bring over a European league coach. So Laura, as we wrap up, by what date will the Blue Jackets have a new head coach? Today, we are recording this podcast on May 26th. Ooh. June 20th. I would say I'd say we'll have a head coach in the next two weeks. Okay. And I'm, we can both be wrong. Extra time. But and, and you could be right. Like before it'll be before all of the draft things and free agency. I just, I don't think that there are coaches that they are really interested in that are out there right now still coaching. And I, I just don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I, I, I think this has been a good conversation talking about like, it, it's our first of many exciting look forward to what is to come for the Blue Jackets and continue to listen, obviously, as we do this all off season with various things, various topics, and hopefully we have various guests, but thank you all for taking the time. I know this is a little bit of a longer one, but we had to pay homage to the old and we had to talk about the new. So, uh, Laura, do what you do best. Yay. Um, so, yeah, big ups to Torts. We're going to miss you, buddy. But we wish you nothing but the best um, in your next your next gig. Um, but, yeah, follow along with us this summer as um, fun and crazy things start to happen. I'm excited to do a, a bracket update here soon once the second round of the playoffs gets started because shit is not going well in the first bracket selections <laughs> no <laughs> um but so yeah so follow us on social media we are at subjectively pod on twitter and instagram um our instagram is still um a ghost town because eventually we're uh making some fun announcements but until then we're gonna kind of leave it dead for a little bit 
but please interact with us on Twitter. We are tweeting about um, some of the different playoff games that we are watching and teams are supporting as Jeremy's wearing his Toronto Maple Leafs jersey um, as we record this in hopes that they uh, end the Canadians' misery tomorrow and move on to the second round. Um, and obviously, speedy recovery to our former captain who is currently not playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, with a lower body injury. Um, yeah, and then uh, if you like to make people smile, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on, uh, particularly if you were listening uh, through Apple Podcasts, um, scroll down, hit those five stars, leave a review. It just really just helps to get us noticed. Um, and we are trying to build this little community um, that we have started to to garner. So help us get the word out, help bring more Blue Jackets, more hockey fans in general um, to this to this little family. And we just, we greatly appreciate all of you so much. We don't appreciate the fact that the Penguins just scored to make it two to one. Anyway, we will talk Fuck to the y'all. Fuck the pens. All right. Anyway, y'all, we will talk to you soon. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Stay well. And until next time. Bye.